Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today, we feature a panel from the 2017 Tucson Festival of Books from the Pima County Public Library, Nuestras Raices Stage. Mari Herreras moderated this panel with authors Guadalupe Garcia McCall and Emmy Perez entitled The Tejana, Another State of Mind Celebrating the Rio Grande Valley and the People That Shaped It in Poetry and Prose. Guadalupe Garcia McCall's latest novel, Shame the Stars, is a reimagining of Romeo and Juliet set during the time of the Mexican Revolution in South Texas. Her young adult novel, Under the Mesquite, won the Pura Belpre Award. Emi Perez has lived on the Texas-Mexico border from El Paso to the Rio Grande Valley. She is the author of the poetry collection, With a River on Our Face. All right, it's always good to be reminded that we're on a schedule, right? Uh, my name is Maria Herreras, and I am really proud and happy to be here at the Nuestras Raices tent, and I just want to... Maybe you can join me in giving some love to the Pima County Library. They're wonderful. And this uh, tent for me since the beginning of the book festival has always been a shining star. And I'm sure if you've been coming to this tent for, for a while, you feel the same way. And so I just love to thank them every time for having us here. We wish to thank the friends of the Pima County Library for sponsoring this venue. I kind of think we already did that, right? So today we're going to talk a little bit uh, with Guadalupe and Emmy about uh, what it means to be Tejana, about their writing. They're going to share some of their work with us. And then after they share some of the work with us, we'll open it to some questions if you have any for them. They're interested in talking with you. I know in, uh, in looking at... Uh, at their work, and we've been talking uh, about uh, what it what it means to be writers that live in the Texas in Texas, and also write about uh, the border uh, area. This is what inspires their work now, and they have their own stories of being Tejana and what that means. But I thought we would open this up with them telling us that, like. What is Tejana? You know, what, is that, what does that word mean? Some of you may not know. So let's have them, have them talk to us about that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> she just said go first. All right. So my name is Guadalupe Garcia McCall. Um, I'm actually from Mexico. When I, I was born in Piedras Negras, Coahuila. When I was six years old, my parents said, we're going to the United States and we are going there so that you can go to school. And so that was the purpose for coming. So for me, I don't feel so much that I'm from Mexico as I am a Mexican-American, as I am a Tejana. I, I was raised in Eagle Pass, Texas, right there along the river. Um, spent all my summers and all my weekends banking on the, on the river, swimming, barbecuing by the water, just having a grand old time being from both sides of the border, going across the river to visit my grandmother and my tios and my tias and my cousins and my chickens, because I had chickens in the ranch in Mexico, and um, coming home to do homework in English and study about Alexander Hamilton and you know everything that was in, in English. Um, so I, for me, being a Tejana is being 
very much Mexican American in, in America and understanding that I come from two different cultures and I come from two different sides of that river, but I belong on both sides. Hello, my name is Emmy Perez. I'm originally from Santana, California, which is a far way from where I live now. It's a 24-hour drive. I have lived on the Texas borderlands for the past 16 and a half years. So I like to say that last year I celebrated my quinceanera of living on the border, and this year's my sweet 16. I don't know what to say for 17, so if you have an idea, please let me know. Um, my mother is Tejana, and she's the one who raised me, a very strong, beautiful person. Uh, to me, I'm just to piggyback on what Guadalupe said, Tejana to me is a Mexican-American or Chicana from Texas, which is different than Texas. So Texas is the Mexican-American land uh, where Mexican-American communities live in Texas. And the reason why I live there is because of my mother's stories that she told me about growing up in Isleta, which is in El Paso, and her family had lived there for generations since when it used to be part of Mexico. And so we like to say that my grandfather's family suddenly became American citizens kind of by accident after the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. And so suddenly they were um, American citizens, but they had been on that land forever. And I love the land of El Paso. Now I live in McAllen, which is a 12-hour drive from El Paso. And I feel just so lucky to live there. And the way that I define Tejana too, besides my mother, is through all the amazing Tejana poets that I know, such as Carmen Tafoya. Uh, I can give you a whole long list of people, Angela de Hoyos, um, Erica Garza Johnson, Amalia Ortiz, uh, Veronica Sandoval. Anyway, I could give you a big long list of women, strong, beautiful women, Tahanas, that write about the land. And Gloria Anzaldúa. Mm. See, just naming those people really makes that envy for me grow even more. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Emmy. <laughs> the, um, uh, I'm so sorry that in my introduction I didn't really uh, share this, but we'll, we'll move on. But... Uh, what would be, Guadalupe, can you tell us a little bit about your book, uh, Shame the Stars? You're, you, uh, and you, you're, you said to me earlier that you consider yourself a poet first and then a novelist. It's uh, part of a series of teen fiction that you've done. Tell us a little bit about this, this new work. Um, so this is my latest book, Shame the Stars, and I consider myself a poet first because everything that I do comes from that place where I speak in verse and I think in simile and I think metaphorically about the things that are happening in our world. And a lot of my books, the, all of my books, all three of them, deal with being a, t a, t a teen in the border, being Hispanic, being from Mexico, having connections to Mexico, and having a familia that is very strong and that's what um, my my whole uh, the, uh, you know themes are but this book came differently to me I had been um, here I had heard from my son about the lynchings of Mexicans in 1915 during the summer of 1915 where the were after the discovery of the Plan de San Diego. And he had informed me of all the things that had happened, lent me a book to read. I was in shock. I had no idea that this history existed. One, because I'm from Mexico, and, and that's what um, 
what my father, my family, their history was. It was the Mexican side. So he knew a lot about the Mexican Revolution and would say a lot of things about that. But I didn't know about the Texas side, what was happening on the Texas side, where the Texas Rangers uh, formed posses with the sheriffs and, and things like that, and uh, went, went after the Mexican revolutionaries. But in the, in the midst of all that, they captured a lot of Tejanos. And so when I went... Um, and I did all the, uh, I read the book and I did the research. I, I was really devastated. One, because I did not know that they would just come and round up all the men in your ranch and lynch them. That there was no trial, there was no judge, there was no jury. It was just rangers, we are just, we are the law. And they would just lynch your, your family. And then they would tell you as a female that you could not get the body down of your husband, of your sons, of your brothers that you had to let them th sit there and rot in the sun for days and days and days. And so I went to bed as a woman, as a Tejana, thinking, how would I react to that? What, why wouldn't these people do something about it? And w it was all because of fear. They were afraid of what would happen to the rest of their families. And so as women, they felt like they had to protect the family. And um, so they were torn. So I went to bed after reading all that, and in the middle of the night, uh, a voice came to me, and his name was Joaquin, and this is what he said to me. Me llamo Joaquin del Toro, and I want to tell you my story. And I was like, you don't exist. I'm going to bed. But I went to the bathroom after about five or six times because this voice would not go away, and he came to me in verse. So he told me all these stories, but it was all in poetry form. And I didn't know what to make of it. So I stayed up all night from 3 o'clock till 6 o'clock writing poetry, 20 pages of poetry, and thinking, what does this mean? Why am I doing this? And it was the poet in me was trying to reconcile the historical atrocities that I had just read about. And so I was trying to, in my heart, reconcile that and come to terms with it. And so uh, that's what I mean when I say that I'm a poet first. When I see a uh, an injustice when I see something that needs to be that needs to be fixed, mm. something that really hurts me, I I something that wounds me deeply. I go to poetry. Poetry is where where I hide, and it's also for the place that I can speak from. And so that's what I mean when I say I'm a poet first. The poems that came to me that night eventually became part of the book, so they're in the book. I think I'd said to you one of the cool things about this book is that it also, especially with teen fiction, that it also um, ha you know, brings history there, which we know in our community has been belittled quite a bit from our wonderful legislators. But how, how important it is to find ways to sneak history into something, a good story, you know? Um, the... The Emmys book uh, is uh, with is is part of a, a series that is published here at the UVA Press, Camino del Sol, and it's an amazing uh, uh, Latino uh, fiction and poetry series of books that they've decided to. Uh, it's important to them, and our poet laureate, who's here at the poetry festival this year, is was part of that fest, part of that series before he became poet poet laureate. So it's a a series that many people in Tucson are are very very proud of. Um, so, Emmy, can you tell us about your latest collection and 
you know, how that relates to being Tejana as well. So my latest collection is called With the River on Our Face. And as I mentioned earlier, I moved to first to El Paso because of my mother's stories. And so my mother grew up two miles from the Rio Grande. And I moved back to her neighborhood and lived there in the same neighborhood where my grandfather built adobe houses. And I lived there for several years after the new millennium. And um, I went back there because she would tell me stories about they were very poor, nine kids in the family. Um, I, when my grandfather got a hernia, he was unable to make houses anymore. My grandmother had many children, but she also had to work. And so she talks about like the innovative ways that they survived and how did they eat and they would go to like glean fields and eat little raw potatoes or um, she would talk about how her father, they grew up right next to a canal which was um, part of the Rio Grande and somehow they didn't have water rights and somehow he siphoned the water or got it to come into his yard and they had uh, some peach trees I think and jalapeno plants and she always talks about how he was very innovative in helping them find ways to eat. Um, and so the river to me is really important because of that. It helped to keep my family alive. It helped to keep my mother alive. And when I talk about that it makes me really emotional because both of my parents grew up very poor and, um, and they gave me so much. And so I wanted to um, go back to the neighborhood because when I was growing up in California, everything wanted to assimilate me into the larger American culture. And I did not want to become assimilated. And, you know, we were cut off from our language. My parents, you know, they spoke Spanish to each other, but not so much to us. We always listened to them, of course, and we understood everything they said. They didn't think we did. But I wanted to go back, and I wanted to, to me, it was so important to live in that land. And so um, this book starts with the river. And then I moved downriver to El Valle, the Rio Grande Valley, with 12 hours away drive. And so I wanted to follow the river's course. And so I did a lot of research along the river, poetry research, which means spending a lot of time on the river, in the plants. I have lots of plants in my book. Um, but also I witnessed the building of the border wall in 2008 in the Rio Grande Valley, which was, like you said, it just hurt, you know, as a poet, when you're hurt, what do you do with that? And it was so hurtful to watch yeah. this being built. Mm -hmm. Because when I first moved there, I was used to El Paso where there's already lots of fences. And when I moved to the Rio Grande Valley, there weren't any, and it was beautiful. The river was beautiful, you could access it, and you still can, because in some cases they've built the wall or the fence in people's property uh, above the river. And of course, you all know that they want more walls now. And so, um, but this book documents watching in a poetic way, uh, in my poetry way, the building of the wall and just feeling so sad and infuriated by it. But also I wanted to dignify the land and the beauty because as many of us know, in the national news we hear all of this rhetoric about how violent it is in the border. And yes, there is violence in Mexico, but where we live in our border communities, I feel safer there than I did growing up in California. And statistics show that they're not as violent as the media portrays them to be. Yeah. And I wanted to dignify the beauty of the people and the land. And so that's what this book, I hope, is about. Wonderful. You are listening to a presentation from the 2017 Tucson Festival of Books at the Pima County Public Library, Nuestras Raices Stage. 
Mari Herreras moderated this panel with authors Guadalupe Garcia McCall and Emmy Perez entitled The Tejana, Another State of Mind Celebrating the Rio Grande Valley and the people that shaped it in poetry and prose. I was talking to them earlier about how growing up as a fifth generation Tucsonan and how as a writer and going to conferences and meeting other writers from other Latin, Latin writers from other parts of the country, in particular people from Texas, people from New Mexico, and how I would like feel this uh, twinge of uh, jealousy and <laughs> jealousy of envy of feeling like people from those areas just seem so more, much more connected somehow than we do, and, but never really being able to identify why, and I still feel that way. And I mean, I'm sure there are quite a few things I could sit down with some other folks and talk about that, and they would tell me why, but I wanted to, for them to express a little bit more about, about that connection. What is so amazing about being Tejana? I mean, what is as a writer and as a just a person what is it that you that you feel that that so that you feel that connection there i think there's a lot of pride that comes with being a texan a tejana uh tejano is somebody who has been there longer than the paperwork somebody uh-huh. who's been there um across the border back and forth because there was no border because being in texas was like being in Mexico. There was no difference to us. Um, I can remember my father telling me that it was strange for his father to have to have a letter to come work over here because he had always worked over here. So why were they asking him for a letter now? And this was back in the 50s and the, and the 40s. But he had always come and gone. And his father before him had always come and gone. And his father before him had always come and gone. But just how all of that has changed. And now even uh, I was talking to my sister the other day. And she lives on the border. She, I have four I have seven siblings, but four of them are still living in Eagle Pass. And she said, you know, you're going to have to get a passport if you want to come visit Tia Genoveva. And I went, what? A passport? And she goes, yeah, you need a passport now. And I was like, you're crazy. Uh, She said, no, mija, they won't let you come across. You can go, but you're not going to be able to come back. And I was like, that's crazy. So it is kind of strange to me because, you know, when we were little, we would just walk the bridge. And in some areas, when we were down at, uh, in um, San Vicente, Coahuila, which was where my, the rancho was, uh, we'd walk across the river. It was up to our knees. And we'd just walk and we'd be like, hey, I'm in America, you know, <laughs> and then come back. And then my mother would say, guess what? I'm in America, too, because she was over there in Mexico, but that's America, too. So <laughs> it, was, it was that border and Tejano to us means that you have that long history of pride of who you are. As a, as a Tejano person, you are Hispanic, but you're also Mexican and you're also American, and you live on that, on that you straddle both sides. Mm-hmm. You live on both sides. There is no distinction, and there's a lot of pride in that, and a, and a lot of pride in the heritage that comes with it. 
I would agree with everything that you're saying. <laughs> I also want to point out that I think we're mostly talking about border Tejanas. Yeah. So, and it might be different for Tejanas that live in different, because the state is so huge. And so right. there might be Tejanas in Dallas or Tejanas in Austin, and it might be a little bit different. Right. And so uh, for me, you know, I love Gloria Anzaldúa's work. She was an amazing writer. She wrote a book called Borderlands La Frontera. And in her book, she says, um, the border, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, es una herida abierta, an open wound, mm -hmm. that grates against, the, well, the third world grates against the first world and bleeds. And so that's a little bit different from what you're saying, Guadalupe, but in a way, I mean, this is another reality that, especially now that we're living right now with the walls and everything mm -hmm. like that. So something that I want to say is that as a border Tejana, if I can even call myself a Tejana, I'm still trying to be respectful about that. I don't know how many years it will take before I can become one. Um, I want to say that living in the borderlands is something where you're close to that wound, and the wound can mean many different things. Mm -hmm. You know, now that there's over-militarization of the border, right. so I'm listening to Guadalupe speaking about going into the river and just walking across and saying, hi, that can't happen anymore, nope. right? that's gone. So, exactly, so in my research for this book, and I have a poem about it, I'm watching as the Border Patrol, as there are people in Reynosa, Mexico, swimming on their little beach on the other side. We can't do that, but they can, and which is wonderful. And then the Border Patrol, um, the boat comes really fast, and probably mm. unnecessarily, and makes all these waves, and the poor people are just trying to enjoy a Saturday. And so hearing you say that, it makes me think about how the border is an open wound in many ways. Right. So it's a place of... of all of these wonderful memories. Right. And still, these wonderful memories are still happening today. But it's, it's changed. Right. And, and for me, it is a source of creation because, you know, like Garcia Lorca says that uh, when, he, when, when an artist is feeling the duende or is in capturing the duende, especially in performance, they're walking on the ledge. And so, like, you're close to, to a feeling of death. And to have that feeling inside of you when you feel like maybe somebody has died in your family recently, you're accessing that information, or you're feeling an open, an open wound, that is when artists can create, in his opinion, or they can perform their flamenco dance really amazingly. And so I think about uh, being a border Tejana in that way, is that always having access to that, that beautiful, beautiful history and beautiful history in the making now, but also that wound. And, I, and yeah. I think of, when you think about that, when I think about what you're saying about that wound, you know, we're looking at it and we think that wound is opening up right now. But when I was reading and researching what happened in 1915, the wound was there. It just, I didn't know about it because my family was from Mexico. And so they didn't know about it. But that wound was there. I mean hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Mexican-Americans, um, the Hanos, that were just taken from their properties, taken from their homes, and lynched for no reason whatsoever, without trial or jury. That's a wound. That is a wound. And, to, and then to have a picture, because it's on... Um, if you ever go look at the book that I was reading that night, it's called Revolution in Texas by Dr. Johnson. And in the front is to a picture of two Texas Rangers on their horses. And they're, they're in front of them, they have the corpses of the Mexican-Americans. And it's called, um, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm blanking out, but 
bandits, Mexican bandits. That's what that, that portrait is called. And it was made into a postcard. And people bought this postcard and sent it to their loved ones. And I was, I mean, talk about a wound. I went to bed feeling a hole in my heart that night, thinking to myself, these boys had mothers. They had daughters. They had sisters. They had brothers. They had family who loved them and who cherished them. And somebody is buying their picture and sending it to their loved one. Talk about irony and talk about an, a huge wound that has been there historically for more, than, more time than we care to admit. The fact that now there's, there's a wall to show it doesn't mean it hasn't been an open wound in in, for a long time. I want to ask you both this question. Um, Emmy, who do you write for? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I hate to say that I write for myself because that's really awful and selfish to say. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, I do write, um, I, I do, I am honest in knowing that mostly poets read other poets. Yeah. And so, but I think increasingly I am trying to reach a larger audience mm -hmm. because of what I'm writing about and I want it to be accessible to them. And um, when I went to home in California where my mom still lives, and I gave her a copy of the book. I was terrified what she was going to think. And she's not a poet, but she said she, she liked it. And so I was like, oh, my God. So if I think that if I can reach my mom in this work, then that is um, encouraging to me because then I feel like I can reach anyone. Um, I write for my students. Um, I've been teaching 29 years. This is going to be my last year next year as a public school teacher in Texas. And I, I teach in San Antonio. When I, came to, when I went to San Antonio, I was in culture shock because I'm from the border. And all I knew was this wonderful little place. And it's very, very secluded. And when you grow up there, you grow up very naive of what's happening outside that, that place. So when I came to San Antonio and I was teaching in a, in a school with a lot of um, at-risk students who were having inner city problems, I did not understand that. I did not understand the inner city problems. I didn't understand the culture. And I all, but I started making, you know, making, rooting my way into it and trying to figure them out and trying to understand their culture and where they were coming from. And uh, so now I write from my perspective so that they can see where they came from. So that they can see, look, there is a history here. You come from strong Aztec roots. You come from people of the land and people of the water and the river, people from the mud of that riverbank. You have courage and strength that nobody knows about. And you can make a difference in this world, and your voice is strong. And so that is, my, that is what I want to leave behind. I had a, an interesting moment with my sister. I have a sister who's an administrator, and she, she's a, you know, she loves her job, and she loves moving up, and she loves getting, you know, paid well. And um, she sees me as this teacher who's writing these little books, and she says, Lupe, why don't you write a book like Twilight? <laughs> 
And I said, first of all, let's talk about the fact that that is like, does not happen to everyone who writes a book. And, um, and that's not who I am. That's not who I am. I am this teacher who is very Mexicana, very Tejana, very in love with my culture and very proud of my culture. And I want to teach my students to be proud too. To not be afraid to go out into this world and say, yeah, this is my color. Yeah, that's where I come from. And yes, I am important. And so um, when I die, that's, this is all that would be left of me. Yes, my children and my grandchildren, but what I'm leaving the world, while I'm leaving my students and their children and the children after them and, all, and the people in my culture is this, this body of work that says, be proud of who you are. Be proud of who you are. We'll have to leave it there. You've been listening to a presentation from the 2017 Tucson Festival of Books at the Pima County Public Library, Nuestras Raices Stage. Mari Herrera's moderated this panel with authors Guadalupe Garcia McCall and Emmy Perez entitled The Tejana, another state of mind celebrating the Rio Grande Valley and the people that shaped it in poetry and prose. This has been part one of a two-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. <laughs>